Welcome to the 9 to 5 Killers podcast, an explorative and insightful journey inside the minds of some of the most successful entrepreneurs who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions. Streets raise me, born in 80s baby, Lord save me, cause today I'm going crazy with this bullshit, 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 crazy with this bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Welcome to season three, episode one of the 95 Killers podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Graham. Today is a special day. Today, I interviewed one of the most challenging guests so far for my 95 Killers podcast. The guest was elusive at times and avoided simple questions. He constantly checked his phone as if there was something more important he'd rather be doing. After over an hour of recording, I told my guest I would never release one minute of this interview to the world it was an intense moment but we both smiled and started from the beginning finally he was vulnerable and opened up i was satisfied with the interview i never knew how difficult it would be to interview myself and on that note let's start the show the idea for the nine five killers grew because i knew that i knew that i wasn't getting what i wanted from my day job. I knew that there was more that I could be doing with my time and myself. And I had settled for a a job that paid me just enough to pay my bills and to take a little vacation and buy nice things every once in a while. But it was nothing that was going to feed my soul and my creativity. What do you do when you're in that position? Do you wait for the right opportunity or the right moment? You double down and keep going down the same road? Or do you take action? I decided to take action. Only it took me about seven years to do so. I thought that there was a way in which I could outwork myself into a better position. I realized that that was the mistake. If somebody doesn't see value in you, you're not going to work your way into them seeing it. You're not going to give ideas and have it received. You have to do it yourself. There is no easy way. There is no easy route. When I started this podcast, it was to interview. It started out, I'll be honest with you, it was going to be a documentary. And the documentary was going to follow the lives of five entrepreneurs. And I was going to interview them, which I did. I interviewed them. And something happened while I was interviewing these, these entrepreneurs. I started to realize that what if I could be one of them? What if I could, what if the biggest thing I got out of this whole little pet project that I was doing was to leave my day job and to have my own business and finally have like the freedom to do the things that I want to do. And that's what the mission became. So the first step was I shot the documentary and I never intended to have a a podcast, but I decided that I realized how much money it was going to cost me to put the movie together and put it out. And, and I started thinking about, you know, where I was going to showcase it and the money that was going to be put into it was going to be more 
than, than I was willing to put up at the time. That's the honest truth. You need the, the marketing, you need all that stuff. So I seen money going out, but I didn't see how there was a way to make the money. At least I just didn't see it at the time. I still have the movie, so it's not like it's dead in the water. But I decided that the podcast was something that I could extend my brand and people could hear from different entrepreneurs because every time I did an episode, I got a rush hearing their stories, hearing so much about how they were able to maneuver in the world and figure things out. And it inspired me. It inspired me so much that I want to tell my story. So let's start with from the beginning. (laughs) I want to start from the very beginning. My two influences, my first two entrepreneurs are my parents, Beverly Graham, Glenn Graham. I watched them. My father had a business. He was the first, one of the first black businesses in my neighborhood in the South Bronx. My friend Marty told me that the kids in the neighborhood used to walk by the store just because they were so surprised to see a black person own a business that was like a technical business because there were barbershops in my area that were black owned. There were hair salons in my area that were black owned, but there was no technical electronic shop that was black owned. That is huge. I didn't understand the scope of that. I was five years old. And my friend told me he was about 10 walking by and they looked at me and my brother and I thought they were looking down on us because like they would give us these stares. But I realized now he made me understand that because from my perspective, that's what I saw as a kid. But from his perspective, he said, we looked up to your father. We was in awe that you guys had a shop. And that's something that I never even thought about. Then I even see my mom. So went from that to seeing my mom, she went and she started her her business, hair salon, but it was in the house. She went to Wilford Academy. She was a stay-at-home mom. There were five of us. There was three boys and two girls. My mom had to make some extra income, so she took on that. My dad had lost the store and started to be a teacher because my mom didn't want him to go back. They didn't, she, they didn't want to go back to running that. That electronic shop was a lot. They're in season one of, of the 95 Kilos podcast. So you can check out their story. My mom got her degree in Wilford Academy. I got to see my mom work, hustle. That really opened my eyes to so much that was possible. You know, how she decided to do it and she went and to see her pride and taking people from the neighborhood. She also would even take people who didn't have money to pay her. And that always amazed me. My mom, just a giving person. So I learned, I get that from her. You know, I want to help people. And sometimes I even help people that don't really have it. I give them more advice than most people would give you as a business owner. And, and many of you listening to that know that this is not something that I'm making up. I've sat on the phone with people and I've given them time and I've not charged them for it. It depends on who you are. It depends on what, how I'm feeling that day, but I've done it. Don't do it often, but I do it. I love the fact that I have these two people that influence me to be and to think outside the box and to work for myself and to take pride in what I do. So that's why I give it my all. I don't believe in half stepping or, or half assing anything that I do. So I give everything the most that I can. I don't cut corners and I don't, I don't play around, but I wasn't always that way. So that, that came later. The other, the first two hustlers I ever met, and I know you, you hear the word hustler. You think I'm going to be talking about a drug dealer. These are two grandmothers that were hustling in my neighborhood and they go by the name, and anybody listening that's from Bronx River Project is where I'm from, you know the name Miss Lily and Miss Flossie. 
Now, these were called icy ladies. And what is an icy lady? For anybody that doesn't know, they used to sell ices in the park. But not just ices. They had a table and they had candy and they had, you know, they had potato chips. It was like a store almost. It was so smart. And they had, and the ices that I'm talking about, they were, they were homemade. That mean they would fill them up in those little, not the red cup, but you know those little clear cups that you put your alcohol in right now? They would put them in those and they would fill them up with like juice and they would put a little bit of, uh, of, of syrup on I don't know what their method was, but it was delicious. I could, I, could, I could taste it right now as I'm explaining it to you. And I watched these ladies one time. I, many times I watched them and I just said, wow, you can make money like that? And I know for, how did I know that? But it was just like, why was I so fascinated? Because I was like, these women, they get to be on the playground. And that's what they did. They sold candy and ices. That was what they did. And that, it just amazed me that that was a business even. even that was, so I learned, I seen their consistency. I seen their ingenuity. Because over the years, they were out there for many, many years. And one thing I could tell you, that I really enjoyed about them is their customer service was amazing because they were dealing with little kids. So you have to have a lot of patience to deal with little kids. And they had these nice kind of, you felt like it was your grandmother you're talking to. So they knew about how to treat the customer. They didn't treat us like how when we went to stores in our neighborhood back then, they were rushing you out. Are you buying anything? Get out, you know, whatever. These ladies had all the patience in the world and and I mean, and they always, and they always had products that for you to buy. So even if you, if you had like five cents, you can buy five penny candies. They were that good in terms of giving you different options of, of what you could have. Yo, you can't afford the icy or, or what they would do is if at the end of the day, this was something that I realized if you waited till the end of the day, right before they were going to close up and they still had extra ices and they didn't have the flavor you wanted, they would bargain with you. They would give you like, Hey, you know what? It's usually like, what, 50 cents or whatever. Give me 35 cents. That's how smart these ladies were. They would sell you, you know, to the last minute because they couldn't do nothing with those. They didn't want to take you back upstairs or whatever the reason was. They, they gave you a discount. So I learned pretty early watching these, these hustlers move. And I take that in business. So when I think about my business now, what did I learn from the icy ladies? So what I learned is, they saw a need. They saw they had an unlimited supply of children coming to this park to play. And kids don't want to leave the park because you want to stay there as long as possible. So do you to have to leave the park and go to the, the store and, and buy candy and icy? No. So they gave it to you all right there. You could stay on the park and you could get your ices right there and you can get all your refreshments without leaving the, the park. So I learned, I see that there is a client of mine and they want to do a podcast. I can help you produce your podcast. I can help you market your podcast. Now, if you need your trademark done, I could refer you to my lawyer. So having people around in your circle that can do the thing that you need. If one of the icy ladies didn't have something, you can go to the other lady across the way and she would probably have it. So working together and, and networking and seeing um, a way in which you can, you can provide what the customer wants. Because now I think that we are in an age where people have forgotten what the customer wants. 
it's about what you want sometimes, but it's not a really, about, it's always been about the customer. So when you can remove yourself out of it, and even if you think something is, is something that you should be doing, you know, ask your customer. Sometimes they would ask us, they would say, what do you, what do you think I should have? Some of the ices wasn't selling and we said, oh, we like soda better. And I remember she lady made a Coca-Cola icy. Just because the kids in the neighborhood, we asked. That's stuff that I ask all the time, my, my main clients. I ask them, like, what, what should I be doing? You know, you ask them, ask questions. And I think that you'll find that people will be so inclined to tell you what they want. They know what they want. And when you provide that to them, that's how you, you make whatever they're saying relevant. Like how many of us, we think what the client wants and we don't know what the client wants. It's nothing like getting a confirmation. And now, especially with social media, you can do that. It's so simple. Like I remember just, just the other day, I decided that I was going to do either some mugs or some t-shirts, but I didn't want to do both because, you know, I mean, I'm going to do one or the other. I'm going to do both of them, but just not at the same time because I want to do more and I want to really focus and make sure that the quality is there. So I asked the question and I thought it was going to be easy. I thought everybody was going to go for the t-shirt. I'll be honest with you. But people have been saying, oh, no, I want the mug. And then this one's like, oh, no, I want the t-shirt. Oh, why don't you do both? And I said, give me one or the other. And somebody asked me, well, why are you doing that, Glenn? And I said, well, look at it this way. When you have an idea to do something, you have only your perspective on it. When you get the perspective of somebody else's, it just changes the whole dynamic. Someone told me with a mug, they were like, well, I think you should do a mug. And I was like, why? And they was like, well, because you could put soup in it or you could put coffee in it and you can use the, you can use the mug every day. You, you, you can use that shirt like you can wear that shirt maybe once a week. And I was like, wow, that's that's something that I didn't think of. So just hearing different things from from your consumer is, is super important, especially if you're in business. The other thing that I want to touch on is when we are in a situation of, of of learning something new. So let's say you're at your you're at your day job. Now many people will say, I have no intention of leaving. But what stops you from working on that thing that you want to do? Now, I remember when I first got the idea that I was going to leave my day job, I decided to calculate how much time was I spending on my own business. If I remember correctly, I was doing probably like 10 hours, maybe 10 hours a week on my business. But meanwhile, I was spending 40 hours, sometimes 50 hours working for a job I claimed that I didn't see a future in. I was working for the money. And so I decided, one, I, I started turning on the overtime. And the, the second part of it, I started waking up earlier. So right now, as I'm recording, it is 4.30 in the morning. I realized something. If you're not going to put the energy into creating what you want, why do you expect anything different? Why do you expect that someone's going to give you an opportunity? I realized now just now, like, you know, like, it's funny. You, the thing that you realize is no one's going to give you an opportunity. You have to create an opportunity for yourself. And you have to do things that you don't normally do. That's outside your scope of just what you would normally do. Now, what do people normally do when someone doesn't give them 
an opportunity. Actually, there was a gentleman that recently reached out to me because we met online and we, we were talking and he told me he wanted to do his podcast. And I, I, I know he won't mind me telling this story, but he, he said to me, I, I was listening to him speak. And at some point I said, you know, this was, this was in a live, a live room on this app called Clubhouse. And I said to him, have you ever did public speaking? And he was like, no. Cause I don't think he knew where the question was coming from. And I was like, I said, you know, if you want to get into podcasting, that's something I would recommend. I recommend him to start at this organization called Toastmasters. I got my start there. It is by no way the best place ever to stay, but it's a nice start for anybody that wants to kind of articulate themselves and speak a little better, especially when you're going to be doing a podcast. It sounded like he was struggling to get his wording together. And I know for a podcast, it's important for people to understand you. And I didn't know that he took offense to that. But the other day, this person reached out to me on Instagram and he said he wanted to talk to me for like five minutes. So we did a phone call via Instagram because he didn't have my number. I didn't have his and I didn't, you know, I didn't give my number out to him. And he said, he, he reminded me of the story and he said, you know, at first when you said that, I was so offended. And I was like, man, that wasn't my intention. He said, no, I know it was good. He said, because you said to me, have you ever thought about taking a public speaking course? And he said, I knew I had an issue with my speaking, but I was thinking, he said he was thinking that he wanted to talk like the guys in the neighborhood. And it was like a, a like a, almost like a chat that they would do. And that's what he wanted his podcast to be. But he realized that that wasn't what he wanted to be. So he was in the midst of just, he said he had been practicing. I could tell the difference, but having a conversation with him, I could see the, the difference in the way he spoke. I could understand him better. And I thought that was really awesome that he was able to do that. And he's a little younger. When you hear somebody who's younger, you are, I'm, I'm reluctant to give them advice because I don't want them to think like, I think because I'm older, I know more than you. So I'm glad that he was able to receive it. And then he asked me something. He said, hey, I wanted you to be on my podcast, but I realized that it doesn't align with your message. I said, well, you know, the, you know, the answer to that. If you know that your podcast doesn't align to my message, then you know what I'm going to say. He said, no, I'm starting another podcast and it looks like you about, you about to be on your way. I want to have you as a guest when I start it." And I told him, don't invite people to something that you didn't start yet. And I'll tell you why I told him that. Before I started my podcast, I did something similar that he did. I invited somebody who I wanted to interview, a few people that I wanted to interview, and most of them said no because they, they're, they're a certain level. They don't even really know me like that, but I just invited them like, you know, I, I'm doing this thing and I want to have you. It's very easy to say some, no to something that's not, that doesn't exist. Why? Even if you know the person, why would somebody agree to something that they haven't seen. It took me realizing how it sounded when I, I ran it back in my mind and I said, why would the people just say no like that? And do you know that I reached out to at least three of the people that I had reached out to originally and they said yes right away. And so I'm convinced it's because I worked on it and I think that it's, it's, it's easy to start stuff. It's easy to have plans and ideas. Executing those ideas is something different. 
it, it takes a different type of animal to execute an idea and stay with it, stick with it and present it to somebody. How many of us have these great ideas and it, they just stay ideas. So I went back and I told the guy, I said, listen, when you start it, make sure you get a couple episodes under your belt and then send me your best. And then I'll give you my answer. And I think that a lot of people won't tell you that. They'll say, sure. Like I see a lot of, especially big influencers, they say yes before they even see it. And they say it in front of a group of people. I don't think that they do it because they genuinely want to help you. How can you agree to something that you don't know, especially if, you, if your brand is important to you, your time is important to you? I think it's used as a marketing tactic sometimes. Um, we have to look at the types of situations that we're in. I was in a room the other day and I was having this conversation and there was a, there was a gentleman in the conversation and he said that he's a podcaster. He's been, he's been podcasting longer than I, I've only been podcasting about three years. And he said, the sound doesn't matter. The sound is not, the sound is not that important. If you have good content, people will listen. Now, Let's break that down. It depends on who you are. Let's be honest. If Obama was to make a podcast tomorrow, which I think he has one, and the quality wasn't so good, you would listen. Because Obama built his brand. You're not going to the podcast because Obama's quality is great. It's because he has a track record of doing, he was the president of the United States, and he has a track record of saying things that inspire. That's why Obama could put up a podcast tomorrow that's not good quality and people would listen to it. So you have to ask yourself, are you Obama? Is your quality, um, have you built up a brand where people know that you have something to say and they would tune in and listen because you have, an, on, on average, you, you have a track record of, of saying things that are, that are good, that, that oh, yeah, I'll, I'll invest in that if Obama has a podcast, or they'll say, hey, I'll invest in if Glenn has a podcast because I, I know the quality of what he does. Or, or do you not have a brand yet and are trying to build one? So here's my advice to you listening to, to me. Please hear me carefully. People are going to have this debate about sound not being important and I'm not going to sugarcoat anything for anybody. And I don't care if I lose followers for saying this. If you half ass your podcast, you lose automatically. If you don't have a brand, if you have a brand in place, because there was a person online that has like, you got 40, 50,000 followers. You could put out anything, right? And your fans, they're going to be your fans. Fans are different. That means like, I, I listen to Fat Joe. And I don't think Fat Joe has a particularly good podcast. I like Fat Joe as a rapper, but I think that in his podcast, he asks a question and then he answers it for the person. He cuts them off. He does everything that a podcaster doesn't do normally. But Fat Joe has a legacy and he has a, a strong brand. He probably even has somebody that's paid for the podcast already. So he's not like you and me. You cannot hold yourself to the same scale of some of these people that have money behind them if you're if you're building this as a business if you're building this as a business treat it like a business 
That means only thing that people have that they know about you, imagine this, is the podcast. So you can use it to brand yourself. You can use it to leverage yourself in different situations. But don't let people lie to you and tell you that your sound doesn't matter. It totally matters to an extent. You also have to have good content. There are things you can do that don't cost you any money at all that would help your podcast. You ready for this? The first thing is do your research on how to conduct a proper interview. Find a style of interviewer that you want to be. Are you going to be a podcaster that's going to do these single interviews where it's just you? There's a, there's, a, there's a method of how to do that. If you're going to interview celebrities, if you're going to interview another person, are there going to be a group of you? There's styles that you can follow. There's, there's YouTube is your friend. You can look up and find out different ways and find out what resonates with you. Then I want you to do me a favor. I want you to look up a podcaster that you absolutely love their sound. Forget about how much money it will cost you to sound like that. I just want you to, to, to look for a podcast, one or two, that you absolutely love the sound. Now, one that I like, I love Howard Stern's sound. I love, um, and I also love, um, who else has a good sound? I love the sound of um, Joe Button. I love the sound of his podcast. I love how they sound on there, the audio quality of it. My point is, the reason why I want you to look at that stuff is I want you to know this. You want to be on par with where you want to go. Stop looking at the easiest way to do something and start looking at a way in which you can do it the best of your ability. Am I saying that you have to sound as good as those podcasters? No. But why aim so far under it? Because of money. Whenever we wanted something, don't you find a way to get it? Why would somebody invest the time in listening to your podcast when you don't invest the money and the time to figure out the, how to give them the best quality? If you're listening in your podcast, I want to, because this is, this is advice for podcasters mainly. There's nothing why I should be helping you to sound better. Why do I want you to sound better? Think about it. People would say we're competition, right? So why would your competition care about how you sound? I don't. I don't care how you sound, but I would love to give you the fighting opportunity to have something that you can benefit from because this is a big market. And right now, the more people that are in the space that treat it with respect, the more great content we will have and we will be able to have a place in the market and it won't just be these big tycoons, these big influencers that's going to dominate because they can put up anything they want and still get a following, you and I cannot. And that's what I hope, I hope that this, this message was received well, but if it wasn't, then it wasn't. But I want to tell you that it's all, it's all out of love. I, I don't do any of this stuff to just say it. I want you to, to know that I want you to be able to build your brand and I want to see you have longevity. And it's, it's definitely a marathon. So the ones that, that get what I'm saying will get it. And then some of you will, We'll look, we'll listen to this years from the, from now and say, man, I wish I would have listened and that'll be for you to decide. But the next part of, of, um, the business I want to discuss is when it comes down to putting out 
your episode or, or, or even putting out yourself into the world, many people, they have this idea that because I worked so hard on it, because I put so many hours into my business, that means that everybody's going to love it. Everybody's going to love it. I'm doing it different. No one's doing it like this. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say that in different industries. No one does it like this. I'm the, I'm the first one. How do you know you're the first one? It sounds good to say because you hear it a lot, right? And, and you don't have to say that. Nobody really believes you when you say that. Or you'll say that no one does it like me, which is true. Maybe no one does it like you. Does that mean that it's good? And so I want you to think about this. When you're creating a product, you have to be, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you have to be concerned with not only the product itself, right? That means a finished product. That means you, you want to build it. The marketing is part of your responsibility. You know how many people create stuff that I know and they're unconcerned with the marketing. It doesn't matter at all to them. I had a friend the other day tell me that they don't care if, if people listen to the music that they put out and they sent me the music and I didn't listen to it. And when he called me and said, did you listen to it? I said, I didn't listen to it. And he said, why not? And I said, because you said you didn't care if anybody listened to it. I wasn't being an ass to him. I was trying to give him a point. I believe that he cares. He's a passionate guy. I've been knowing him for years. He's a passionate dude. What I believe is that he was trying to give himself the out because he knows me and he knows that I'm going to tell him, Hey, listen, I think you could work on this. So he, he tried to beat me to the punch and said, I don't really care. I just do this because I love it. And I said, well, if you do it because you love it, don't send it to me. Why don't you just do it, record it, keep it on your laptop? Why send it to me? You think I have time to listen to stuff that you don't care about? I have other things to do. But here's the other thing. If you do really care and you want to hear my insight, send it to me. And I'll listen to it. And as, and, as my, and as your friend, I will tell you what my thoughts are. And we'll find a way in which we can streamline it, make it better. I'm all up for that. How to market it so that it, it reaches outside of your block. Because here's the problem. You could travel the world. You could live. You could do anything you want to be. You could be anywhere in the world you want to be, right? Or you could, you could come from the Bronx. But there's a lot of people that have left the Bronx, but our brains are in the Bronx. Stuck in our neighborhoods, stuck in that small town. I'm trying to get my friends to get out of the small town in your brain. It doesn't matter where you travel. If you travel, uh, I have friends that have traveled the world and have never left the Bronx yet. You have to get your brain out of the Bronx. You have to get your brain out of your small town. You have to realize that, you know, no one's going to tell you that because it's very tough to tell somebody that. It's very tough to tell myself, yo, Glenn, get your brain out of the Bronx. I'll always be a part of the Bronx. I'll always be a part of that small area. But my brain doesn't live in there. You got to think outside of there. And you know when I learned that? I'm going to tell you honestly, it's a quick story. Um, doing music videos for, for local talent in the Bronx. I've seen people that I did stuff in my neighborhood and I've, and I've done stuff for people in Harlem. But here's what happens. After I created the video for them, they would tell me, oh, I sent it to all my friends and my family members. 
And I said, what about the masses? What about people outside of your little circle? How are we reaching them? And you know what? They had no marketing strategy. That's when I realized something in myself and them. I realized that sometimes people do things for the people in their circle. I don't create stuff for people in my circle anymore. I think outside of my circle because you know what? You're going you're gonna to get popular outside of your circle first before your circle will embrace you. Because they'll hear the noise. They'll hear the, they'll hear the friction. They'll hear like, yo, who's this guy? And then they'll say, I know him. That's my friend. I grew up with him. And then they'll support you. Some of, you, some of them will support you right at the back. But some of them have to hear the noise. They have to hear it from somebody else. They have to hear it so far away from their circle for them to realize that, oh, shit, this is, this is something I better get on now because this person's going someplace. So that's, advi that's advice that I want to give to anybody listening. Stop creating stuff for your mother. Stop creating stuff for your little brother and the people in your neighborhood and start creating stuff for outside your neighborhood and then your neighborhood will respect that because you're not trying to, you're not limiting yourself to one small demographic. You're trying to reach a different demographic and by the way, you will reach those people anyway. You know how many times I've seen a person who I've grown up with and they listen to my podcast, it really does touch me. It really does. Um, there was a gentleman the other day. I want to give a shout out to Kwame. I know you're listening, bro. The last time I seen him, he, he was about, man, he was always tall. So I'm not going to say he was very, but he was tall for a little kid, but he was, he was probably a little bit like to my stomach. I'm sure right now he's taller than me and his son is the size that he was the last time I seen him. And he bought a hat the other day and some other merch from my website and he listens to my podcast and it touched me. And it touched me because I didn't think that he would even remember me because he was so young. And there's so many other people out there that are very young that listen to the podcast and, and they don't even understand that. I, want, I wanted to show them, that's always been my goal, that we can do different things that we can do stuff outside of what people said that we can do, like being a rapper or, or being a basketball player. I, first of all, I suck at rap. <laughs> I knew that right away. And my man, my friend Dev told me that many years ago, I freestyled before just to, you know, I never was interested in that much. I, I like rap, but I was never interested in being one. And then I also, I never was really interested in sports that much. This wasn't really my thing. So those are two things that, so two areas that usually, a person in the hood will aspire to be a ball player or a rapper. I was already done with that. So when I see little kids, I, I try to inspire them to do outside of what is expected of them. And so that's one of the things that uh, another reason why I do what I do and I do it how I do it, because you don't have to follow the mold that has been set for you, that has been pre-planned for you. You can change as much as you like. That goes uh, to another part of, I get a lot of heat sometimes. People tell me, Glenn, you did a lot of things. Now, some people look at that as a good thing. Some people have this idea that if you did a lot of different things, you ever heard that saying? I don't know if you ever heard that phrase, jack of all trades, but master of none. I'm gonna give you a different perspective. I learned so many things. And everything that I've learned, every single thing that I've learned 
is applicable to right now, to this moment. What I've learned as a promoter helps me to create a buzz. I learned how to engage with people. What I've learned as a speaker allows me to talk to you right now and be on this podcast. What I learned as a graphic designer allows me to create engaging content for social media in the size that it's supposed to be in so that you can resonate and see that it is a actual viable product because how you present something is very important to how it is received. What I've learned in the icy ladies, what I learned from the icy ladies, Miss Lily, Miss Flossie, what I learned from them is that you have to be consistent in terms of be consistent, but intentional. So a lot of people will tell you be consistent. So every day they were out there, but they was intentional with what they were selling and what they were doing more so than they were consistent because there were days they weren't out there. But my point is whenever they were out there, they were intentional with what they were there to do. And many people are not intentional. That means they, they're around, they're doing stuff, but they're not intentional. What, what's the point of why you're doing it? So I always knew that you have to know what the point is of what you're doing. And many people just don't get it. They don't know. They, they, will, they will do something, for example, and not have the end result in mind. So, that, so one thing that I learned is have, a, have, a, have an end result in mind. Get it, get it started. Uh, if I could give some advice, right, to my younger self. And this, is, this can go for anybody listening. But to my younger self is get started, <laughs> get started, man. Like how many people do you know that's been planning to do something for so long, but is do, are doing nothing at all? You planning, you did the research, you smart, you know, all the information, you got all the material, but you don't do anything with it. You could plan all day. You could plan up into the day you die if you want to, but you got to get started. And what's a great way to get started? Why don't people get started? Let's dissect why people don't get started. Too afraid that somebody's going to laugh at them. Too afraid that they're not going to live up to the expectations that, they, that other people have set for them. Too afraid of people watching them and judging them. You, you're so afraid of people that's not even doing anything at all. Why? Why are you afraid of them? Or maybe you're afraid of failure. Maybe that's why you didn't start because you want to make sure that you do it so that you don't fail. Guess what? No matter how much you, you plan and try, the thing that's going to make you fail is not the thing that you even imagine it is. It's going to be the thing that you don't see. And sometimes the thing that's going to make you fail is procrastination and just not doing it at all. That to me is, big, is bigger than failure because at least failure means you tried something. The fact that you don't get started means that you never know what you could have been. You'd be that could have been type of person. You could have been something bigger, but you just didn't try at all. And so you never know. Nobody wants to hear about that story about you should have, would have, could have. And my advice to my younger self would have been to just try stuff, just do stuff. Stop waiting for people to give you permission to do stuff. Stop waiting for your parents. There's people that I know, my age and older, still waiting for approval from friends, from family members, from parents, waiting for, 
your job to approve or something that you that you know is going to work. The biggest thing that I took away from working my last job is I'm so that I'm so happy for is that a lot of the ideas people didn't understand it. Because if they would have understood it, it would have been the property of a company that I don't own, that my kids don't own. I don't even have children yet, but I don't want to be that person that's like, yo, I made this company millions of dollars and I don't have anything to leave you. Many of you are going to make companies millions of dollars, giving them not your time, your ideas, because you want to be accepted you shortchanging your children, you shortchanging yourself. And by the time you realize that that's what's happening, there is something that you are good at. And you are telling yourself that you need X amount of money to start it. You're lying to yourself. You don't need X amount of money to start it. You need belief in yourself. You need to start it. You need to get it going. You need to know that if something happens to you tomorrow, because tomorrow ain't promised, you may not wake up tomorrow. So every day you wake up, you have an opportunity to work on that thing. If you lie to yourself and say you're waiting for this to come in or that to come in, you're lying to yourself. And understand this, the worst thing that could happen to you is that you expire early without, without it going. Like you die with dreams in your mind. I don't want to die with none of my dreams. I want to live them out to the fullest. So if I go tomorrow, I know that I put everything into what I do. I don't half-ass nothing. Don't let anybody, don't let anybody convince you that you can do this and it's going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. But don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it. But no one, don't let anybody sell you no dreams that it's going to be some walk in the park and that so many people have done it and it's easy. It's not fucking easy. If it was easy, there would be a lot of people would do it. People sell you on the dream of it being easy. So they, so they can sell you shit so they can sell you a course. So they, nobody could sell you no fast way out of any of this. You got to dig in. You got to get shit done. You got to stop pretending that it's going to be easy because it's not. But I tell you what's what's harder than this. What's harder is giving your ideas and your dreams away to somebody who won't appreciate it. What's hard is not being able to sit down with your kids because you're spending 50 hours of your life away from them just so you can take a vacation just so that you can have the, the life that you, that, you, that you don't even get to enjoy. And you're setting the example for them as well. So even if you don't plan on leaving your day job, and this is not, I, I, I am in no way bashing a person who, I'm in no way bashing a person who has a day job. I'm saying get another stream of income coming in, please. Stop lying to yourself saying that your job will never do this or you'll never do that. I've seen people work in the place 20 years, no longer there. You've seen it with the pandemic. 
This pandemic has been an eye-opener for many of us that we have to stop pretending that our jobs are that we're irreplaceable. There are people that will be younger than you that will do it for half the money. And at the end of the day, these are businesses. They're gonna tell, they're gonna go for the cheap route. They're gonna go for the stuff that keeps them, that keeps their doors open. And sometimes what keeps their doors open ain't in your best interest. I've always believed something that I could say now openly that I've never been able to say. I've always been, I always seen myself as a free agent. I never had allegiance to any company. And because I never believed that they had allegiance to me. It's not that I'm anti-establishment. It's that I know in my heart that they're not looking out for my best interest. They're looking out for the best interest of the shareholders, the people at the top, and whatever trickles down, they take care of me. But I'm just a cog in the wheel. You know what I'm saying? And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being a cog in the wheel as long as you know that's what it is. And if you're comfortable with that, that's, that's fine. But if you want a little bit more than that, you've got to think about your family. You know, I've seen people brag about these great jobs they have, but you can't pass that on to your family. You can't pass that great job on. You know, I'm about to, I'm about to go dig into my 401k. <laughs> I saved some money up and I'm about to invest that shit. And me, you know, and my dreams, my goals, you know, a lot of times the, the things that we, the things that we think are valuable are not. We look at, we look at people who I've created, you know, you know, the thing that I find that's really interesting, uh, I want to leave on this note. The people that I have friends who are dead silent. And I always tell them this, don't be like that politician that the only time people hear from you is when the elections happen. If you have something to say, say it. Say what you gotta say. But don't just sit by on the sideline like, and then one day you have an idea and then you want everybody to listen. Build your brand, your personal brand. Many of you have gone dark. You don't have an opinion. You don't have a voice. You don't have a profile. You can barely get in touch with you. You just like blank spots on a wall. And if you think that social media, if you think that social media is, is going to go anywhere, you're dreaming. The people that I see on social media who have no profiles, don't even understand the fact that you're on social media. You're part of it. You're a part of social media, whether you engage with it or you don't engage with it. The only way you're not a part of social media is if you don't need it at all because you don't have a page. But the fact that you're consuming social media and you don't have social media says a lot about the importance of social media. You're on a platform that you claim not to believe in. You're watching pages, you're, you're consuming content, but as a consumer, you don't get anything out of it as a consumer. So you're wasting as much time as anybody else on social media. The difference is you don't make anything from it. I want you to think about that. 
if you're one of those people and you're watching and you're like one of those, you're one of those shadow followers that, you know, they, they looking at stuff. You don't got any pictures up. You're part of, you're part of it. You're already in the matrix. So I want to welcome you to the matrix and understand that every different business is getting into it and you are part of it as well. The difference is you don't know that you're a part of it yet. And when you do, you're going to see a lot of things are going to open up for you. I've been having a great time talking to you guys about, you know, me transitioning to being a boss. And I almost forgot this one part. And it's something that I, I think that I, I should share with you guys. Be, when I started to, when I thought about not being at my day job anymore, I realized at some point I had been working too long for other people. That means I had a day job. I've been a worker bee way too long. I've, I've been an entrepreneur before, but I have been working for people far too long. And there were certain things, certain habits that I picked up. And they were very simple, simple habits. And one of the habits was, first of all, I had to change the way in which I took my lunches. And I know this sounds really strange, but last job, I got 30-minute lunch breaks. wasn't very glamorous to have a 30-minute lunch break. And one of the things that people did on their lunch break is the kind of conversations that people were having. They were talking about the management and about the job. And I was like, man, we're already spending so much time at working at this place. And now on the only time you get that 30 minutes that you get to, to be with your thoughts and to reflect and, you know, enjoy your meal. People wanted to talk about that. So I started taking lunch lunches alone and I did something else that you might laugh at many people listening to is I thought to myself, how would a CEO have his lunch? And it was putting myself in the mind frame of a CEO. So one of the things that I started doing was I started to download audiobooks. And so I would listen to audiobooks or I would play my chess game as I had my lunch break. And also the most thing that really helped me um, was I started to eat. I started to take my food in Tupperware, but I wouldn't eat it with plastic forks or even eat it from the Tupperware. I started out like bringing the Tupperware, but bringing regular utensils. That means like a knife and fork. And it felt so good. And I said, what would be better? So I started to bring plates from home. And then I bought a set of plates for the job just for myself. And I kept them in a cabinet and I used knives and forks. And then I started to bring like my hot sauce. <laughs> the reason why I started doing this was that I wanted to feel like a boss. I wanted to be, I wanted to behave like a boss. And I said, would, would a CEO be sitting in a lunchroom eating out of a, a paper plate? Maybe, but I felt not the CEO that I want to be. I want to eat out of fine plates. So I bought these red plates. Um, I bought some nice silverware and I used to eat my lunch. And at first people used to look at me like I was absolutely insane. Who is this guy? Who do you think you are? And then little by little, I started seeing other people doing it. This last bit of advice I want to give you. And it's something that weighed me down for many years. And that is regret. I had a lot of regrets for many, many years of my life. Things that I wish I could have did differently. But now I have zero regrets. And I know you hear people say that all the time. What, do, what does it mean to me when I say I have zero regrets? When I say I have zero regrets... That means everything that I've been through has brought me to where I am currently, present day. When you're looking back on the past that you can't change, 
it weighs you down because you're talking about things. I wish I would have did this differently. If you would have talked to me a year ago, I would have told you a completely different story. And I imagine that my story is going to keep changing as I learn more, as I continue to grow. And one of the things that I've learned is without struggle, I would have been in the same position that I was in. Even the pandemic, and I, and I, sh- and I don't want to say this because I, we, I've lost a lot and many of we, us have lost a lot during the pandemic, but we've gained a lot as well. And that is perspective. The things that are important to us, the people that are important to us. I remember when the pandemic hit, I called almost any person in my job that I had their phone number that I was close to. I called and checked up on them. And then I called the next day and the next day after that. And then when I stopped calling, those calls stopped coming to me. Very few people reached out to me. And I was very surprised. At first, a little bit disappointed because I thought that I wanted to know how they were doing and I assumed that they would want to know how I'm doing. But I realized something that I don't regret that situation that happened because it gave me clarity also of what's important to people. And you can't make, you can't decide what's important to somebody else. And that was one of the things that I was doing. I was trying to say, because I saw life one way that everybody should see it that way, where, you know, where I know that that's not the case. So I have zero regrets of anything that's happened even now, if you would have talked to me a year ago, I would have said, man, I, I thought me and this person was some way. I don't have time to focus on what I thought things were or where we're at. I just have time to move forward. And that's what I want to give all of you. Look at everything that happens in your life as an opportunity to grow from it. If you're going through something with your, the person that you're, that you're, in, you know, that you're in a relationship with, you know, learn from it, whether that relationship ends or whether it you know, you fix things, you're going to be stronger for the next relationship. You'll be stronger for the next job. You'll be stronger for the next situation that you're going to come across. Try to find something in it because I'm telling you, having zero regrets has freed me from so much because you won't regret relationships with people and situations being better. You won't beat yourself up about things that you've done or that you didn't do because that can be very heavy on a person Having zero regrets, all it really means is giving yourself the freedom from your past. You need to free yourself from your past because that's the thing that will hold you down. I mean, you might work a job, you might be at a place and say, oh, I gave this place 10 years of my life. Instead of saying, I've learned, what did you learn from the place? Focus on what you can take away from it as you can do better. And I'm telling you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to open up opportunities and doors for you. But you have to switch your mindset and you have to live without the regret. So I have zero regrets. And I'm going to end on that note. You're all special. And, and I can't wait to see more and more of you. I, I've got your messages. And, and I see the hunger. I see the hunger of many of you to make that change. And so I'm here. So I want you all to have a a blessed day and I'm super excited about the new season. Glad to be part of it. As I mentioned, I didn't think I was going to be part of this movement, even though I was the one recording. So I can't tell you how excited I am to share my growth and the things that are coming up. I have a lot of little things that are coming up that are just, you know, other businesses that I'm starting. You know, I also do social media strategy. 
and that is how to market on social media. That's something that I've always wanted to do professionally. And I just thought I didn't, I thought I couldn't do it. I thought I only could do it for myself. And now I realize I can do it for other people. I'm producing podcasts for other people. I'm teaching them how to find their voice because podcasting is just not about pressing record. It's about having a strategy, both marketing and also just a plan for what you want to do. Let's keep, let's keep killing those comfort zones. Let's get out there, do the best with what you have available. Looking forward to season three. I hope you enjoyed my episode. And if so, you can find, you know, you can find nine, five killers, go to the website is nine, five killers.com. And you can find us on Spotify, Apple podcast. And if you want to find me on Instagram, you can find nine, five killers is just nine, five killers. And if you want to find my personal page on Instagram, you can go to Glenn Graham 4.0. That is Glenn Graham 4.0 on Instagram and reach out to me. Let me know what you think about this episode. And I'm super excited about the new season and all the people that we got lined up. I think you're going to be impressed. So you guys have a great day. Peace. The 9 to 5 Killers podcast is now available for your listening pleasure on Spotify, Apple Podcast and Stitcher.